0: Are you ready? Are you ready for it? I see some people going, yes. Are you ready for a new year? You know, we're starting a brand new year, and here's the reality. None of us knows what's in store for us. And can I be honest with you? I am glad that I don't know what's in store for me, right? I don't know if we'd get out of bed if we knew what was in store for us. I mean, a lot of what's in store for us is good, but some of it's really challenging. And um, I'm not sure if we knew this is what's going to happen in the coming year. You know, the loss, we're going to suffer. Maybe, maybe the loved one that we know is going to pass away, and maybe we're the loved one. That's not going to have, right? I mean, you go, oh, how can you tell that? It's just true. We have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in the coming year. And I, for one, am glad. But this is what I do know. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is what I do know. I believe this with all my heart. That God wants what's best for us. I want you to think about something this morning. where I talk about this for a minute. And you say, well, how are you going in this direction? Just follow me for a second. One of the names that Jesus referred to the Father, God the Father as, is Abba. Abba, Father. And that name for God is a term of intimacy. That means something like dear God. I've heard people say daddy God. That's really not... That's a little too sappy. No, seriously, about the real translation. It's not, it's, it's a term of endearment, but it's more about him being there to love and protect us, our dear father, who's there to, to be there for us. And what it tells us, an Abba, the term Abba, tells us, and it's not a, it's not a singing group. Um, it really is uh, somebody who's actually going all the way to London to see a Abba something. Um, It is a singing group, but Abba tells us that our heavenly father is not distant, he's not far removed, but he's a dear father and he's intimately involved in our lives. And as our Abba father, he loves you dearly and he wants the best for you. See, I remind myself of this every single morning, or the mornings that I remember. And anybody finds as they're getting older, they don't remember stuff quite as well. So some mornings I forget. But I have a morning confession. I've told you this many times. I pray through a morning confession. It's a little short piece of paper. I usually don't even need the paper anymore. But I've written out on that morning confession the things that I need to remind myself about the Lord and myself. And it's a prayer to God, but part of the prayer is reminding me in the very first line of my morning confession that I pray, is to say, Father, thank you that you love me unconditionally and you want the best for me today. You see, there was a time in my life, even as a follower of Jesus, I didn't believe necessarily that God wanted the best for me today. I usually thought God was kind of frustrated with me because I wasn't maybe trying hard enough or something like that, and and some of you can relate to that. But I've learned over the years as I've interacted with the Lord, grown in my faith, and understand the Word of God better, that our heavenly Father, our Abba Father, loves us unconditionally, and He wants what's best for us today. So as we begin a new year, I want to remind each of you that that this is true today, and it's true for the year. No matter what the year holds, it's true. That God loves you unconditionally, and he wants the best for you today and this year. Tell the person next to you, say, hey, God wants the best for you. It's true. I remind myself of it. You need to remind yourself, and you need to remind others about that as we walk through the year. Now, because we believe that God wants the best for us, we're going to do something over the next five weeks As a church, we're going to give the Lord an opportunity to speak into our lives, revealing Himself to us and showing us what can be in our lives as we live in communion with Him. Because this is why, because that's how we experience God's best. We, if I say God wants the best for me, how do I know God's best? He wants to show us what His best is, and so we're going to do our best to open up our hearts to the Lord in the month of January, so we can hear from the Lord and we can invite God to say, God, show us what you want for us in our lives as we walk with you. So each week over the month of January, we're going to have a different focus on something that will help us to, to interact with God. And, and I'll suggest, suggest some activities that you can do during the week to focus on each of these different topics that we're going to talk about. And as we open up our hearts, I believe God's going to speak into our life, speak to us and direct us so that we can lead us into ways and lifestyles and being that is the best for us. And really what we're doing is kind of like what we, in the spiritual sense, what we are used to in a practical sense. And it's this, at least something you're supposed to do in a practical sense. And that would be doing your car maintenance. Anybody do their, their car maintenance? They're looking, you know, you're looking. I've got a truck. I, I drive, probably drive, maybe drive the oldest vehicle in this church. I drive a 2003 Tundra pickup. Anybody else got, oh, I see somebody go, that's nothing. So they'll sell a couple older than me. I've got a 20-year-old truck I drive every day. And the check engine light never goes off. That's the problem in the five counties we live here every year. So every year, because that's simply because my truck is so old, you cannot buy, according to Keenan, a little tiny part that they don't manufacture anymore that clips on a little rubber hose. And because that little tiny part with a little spring in it isn't manufactured anymore, my truck, you can't, you, you, the check engine light's on. So what I have to do every year when I get that dump, is every year, every two years, you get that thing in the mail, two years for your emissions. I have to have... I have to go and, and have somebody clear the code. And then I keep driving it to the emissions place because your car can pass emissions as long as it only has one code that's still on. And the, code, the light goes off and I keep taking it every day, sometimes twice a day, until it clears every single code except for that last one, which is the O2 one. And then they pass me. So the, I go to different places all the time. So I I keep going to different places. And one last year, I was literally sitting in line and my check engine light came on as I was waiting and I didn't know it. I pulled in and the guy looks at me and says, I can't use your lights on. I said, no, it literally turned on. I I turned the engine off. I do everything, just wait in line to get it in there because that little part's not made anymore. Here's the deal. That check engine light means something in my truck. It means that there's something wrong with the EVAP system. Um, you know what? And 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 we do other things for maintenance. We do things like check our tires. You know, right? You look at them and say, A Wisconsin winter, we got some some southerners' transplants. You got to make sure you got good treads on your tires when you live in Wisconsin because we have snow and ice and you have to have have abuse. We understand that about our cars, but I'm not so sure we have the same understanding about our own lives, that we don't necessarily take time evaluate and look at ourselves and say, how am I doing in my, how I, how's my being? How's my, my relationship with the Lord? How am, I, how am I feeling about the things God is doing in my life? And that's what we want to do over these next number of weeks. We want to do a, a self-checkup over this time. And there's a, a, there's a process we're going to go through. We have a, a method to our madness on how we're going to do a self-checkup over the next five, year, next five weeks. And what we're going to do is we're going to start in a way that might seem a little odd to you. We're going to start in a way to try to focus, week one, on simply experiencing God fresh and anew in our lives. Experiencing God. We want to be reminded, and I would say this, we want to feel. Beyond just here, we want to feel, we want to experience the reality of our Abba Father in our lives, that he really is our loving Abba, Heavenly Father, and he wants the best of you. And for some of you, as you take time to do this, it may be a revelation that you've been maybe like I used to be, where where God, you thought he was frustrated with you, and you're going to find out, wait, no, no, really, the God of the Bible loves you. And he does correct us. He He does redirect us. He does challenge us when we're wrong, but he loves us. That's all because he loves us and wants what's best for us. But that our Heavenly Father really is loving and He wants the best for you. And that that what we want is we want to be assured of His goodness towards us. So so this is going to be our starting place today for this month. We're going to to do our best to open up our hearts to experience and re-experience the reality of God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how in the world can you do that? How can you tell me? Okay, now, go experience God. How can I do that? Well, i found there's two things, and these things aren't original with me. They're not new with me. They really come from the church fathers of things that we can do, do, that can help us in this area. There's some things that there's some things I can't do, right? But I think there's some things we can do that can help us in this area so that we can experience God in our lives, and it's how I think we do it. We do it by looking back and by looking around. And here's what I mean. You see, I can't cause God to send an angel to any of us this week and say, would you just convince them of your reality and your presence? I can't, I can't do that. And I can't cause God to, to manifest himself. I wish I could. I could say, God, today we're meeting for church. It'd be really nice if you just showed up like like, really showed up like Jesus suddenly did like he did at the disciples, right? Where they're in a room that's locked and all of a sudden there's Jesus like walks through the door. He goes, hey guys, you thought I was dead, you know? And we'd say, we knew you're alive, but wouldn't it be, say, hey, here he is right here. And he walks up and goes, uh, guest speaker today, it's Jesus. You know, that, that would be kind of nice, I guess, but we can't do that. I can't do that. We can't do things like that. But we can experience the reality of God and this is what we found in our own lives and we find from church, the church fathers by looking back over our lives and reliving those times when in our past, in our own lives when God has been very evident and present we can relive those and we can look around and see his evidence especially in the world he's created and he sustains. And I want to kind of show you how this works today. Anybody know what this is? What's that? A rock. Very good. What's this rock say on it, Josh? OCS. Anybody know what what OCS could stand for? that We would understand what OCS stands for around here. Ozaki Christian School. This rock sits on my desk. I have three different rocks that sit on my desk for years. This is the last rock. This is the newest rock that sits on my desk. This rock sits on my desk because it reminds me about God's, a couple things, God's ability to talk to us. This rock reminds me of God's ability to talk to people. This rock reminds me of God's amazing provision, how God provides miraculously. And this rock reminds me of how God loves to turn darkness, dark things into light into he likes to redeem things from lost to found, from dark to light. See this rock, I was I was given the I was invited with some other people to pick up this rock. There are different rocks in a room. This rock was in an unfinished room in the building that was Aki Christian school, was able to purchase from a strip club and turn into a Christian school. Matter of fact it was so funny that the late night comedians Heard about it? The national ones that made jokes about Christian school buy strip club. Little Ozaki School here in our area um, made the national news, or national national uh, late night talk shows, because of a because of a Christian school um, buying a strip club and converting it um, into into something from darkness to light. You see, but at least a year though before this rock, before I picked up this rock. I was at the OCS building, the building that was still a strip club and there was no school there. And I was there with Chris Austin and some other people. And and before that, before I ever got this rock though, let me back up, um, Chris came to me and I believe it was on a Wednesday night and I believe it was right down this hallway outside of a classroom. And she told me that she believed that God wanted OCS to buy, and I knew the building because I'd driven by there all the time, the former strip club and turn it into the new building, new location for Ozaki Christian School. But when she told me that, I knew some things. Um, Our our youngest son had attended OCS for a year. I knew some things about OCS. Knew it from from Chris and other people involved. And I knew there were some big problems in her saying that they wanted to buy the school. Number one, they didn't have any money. No money, right? They had no money. This is a large building on a main road outside of a good-sized town, and it's expensive. They had... No money. Um, they had a school because of some problems they were experiencing in their current building, and it was an old building. They were having, uh, their enrollment wasn't great. And they were in the process of going to lose the even crummy building they had because it had been sold. And so they were in a pinch. And Chris came to me, and she said the what at the time was a odd statement. I'd never heard somebody ever say it this like this to me before. In talking about saying God, she thought God wanted to buy. They wanted to buy the building. She said, "I believe God has a ram in the thicket for us." And you know what? I'd never heard anybody say that before. And if you if you if you're familiar with with the Bible, you understood. I understood exactly what she was talking about. This is what she was talking about. The Bible tells a story of one of the patriarchs of Israel, of the people of Israel, Abraham. And how God said this insane thing to Abraham one day. God said to Abraham, take your only son, Isaac. He was testing him. Take him to the top of this mountain and sacrifice him. Kill him on top of the mountain. And Abraham listened to God and said, God's talking. I don't have no choice. I have to listen. And he takes his son. And theologians believe his son is about 13 years old. He's old enough to carry the wood on his own back. And his son's asked him on the way up. Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice we're going to sacrifice. This is God will provide. Abraham was intending on slaughtering his own son in obedience to God. They get to the top of the mountain. They make the, the altar a sacrifice, and he lays his son on top of the altar, his 13-year-old son, and he picks up a knife. And he looks, and God provided a ram in a thicket. There was a ram, and it hurt horns. Its horns were stuck in the bushes, and Abraham was able to go up to get the ram take a son down, put the ram on, and sacrifice the animal. This is in the Old Testament when they still, it was even pre before they had all the sacrificial system, but they were sacrificing animals, which God said don't do anymore in the Bible. But it was a reference to that, and she told me, God has a ram in the thicket. Like, in other words, we're going to get right to that spot, and there's going to be a miraculous provision for us for the school. Well, here's what I thought. I knew Chris pretty well, and I thought either two things. Number one, Chris heard from God. Because I've heard from God about things, to do things, and everybody around me told me I was crazy, I was wrong, I was nuts. You know, dragging my family to different places, planting new churches, going in missions, taking my family to third world countries. Families say, you're crazy, but then you get there and suddenly God blesses and they go, oh yeah, that was so cool you did that. But they all told you before that you were crazy. So I thought, number one, either Chris heard from God, or number two, she's a very desperate woman whose, whose school is going to fall apart and she's just... Desperate and trying to force something to happen. Those are one of the two conclusions. I said, I'm not sure which is true. I don't know. God hadn't talked to me about it. Um, you know, and so I just, I didn't know, but I thought, you know what? I'll wait and see. Is there a ram in the thicket? Well, long story short, by the intervention, I mean this, by the intervention of God, the buyer who never sold property decided to sell. People from our own church flew to California to talk to them to try to convince them to sell. It worked. Um, the money came in. A lot of money came in when they needed it to buy it and to renovate the entire building. And many people, some of you here, invested a lot of time and energy into the renovation. And now Ozaki Christian School has a wonderful Built, wonderful building that is its largest enrollment it ever has and they're trying to figure out how can they contain all the kids that want to come to their school. Matter of fact, I did chapel there the other day and I told Chris before I did chapel, I had something happen to me that I'd never thought of before going to because I've been doing chapels for a, over a decade, a decade and a half at OCS I was going to do a thing for chapel right before Christmas with the the explanation of a candy cane. I was going to let the kids answer the question, what did the candy cane say about about the, the gospel message? And I bought a box of 60 candy canes, and some of the candy canes were broken. I pulled them out, and I thought, oh, no, I don't know if I have enough candy canes for all of the fifth through eighth graders in the room. I could have stuck all the candy canes I needed in one pocket before, sometimes in the past. And I'm looking at it and going, I don't know that I I'm going, oh my goodness, I counted in a month. I'm going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, you know, 36, 37, 38. And I'm going, okay, I have just enough candy canes to, uh, to do the, the lesson that I want to do. Here's the reality. When I pick up this rock and I hold it, it sits on my desk again next to three other rocks, and I think about what God has done, I literally experience God all over again. I tell the story, I get excited. I experience God all over again. It's more than just a nice memory. It is a nice memory, but it's more than just a nice memory. I actually engage with God again, and I'm reminded about how big God is, how personal God is, that he actually talks to people and says, there's a ram in the thicket, or says, I'm going to provide. And how shocking God is that he does crazy things like turn strip clubs into Christian schools. You see, I experience God. Not just, not just remember, I experience God as I look back. Now, this idea isn't something new that I just discovered. This is exact, God, God reveals that, that this is true in his word. It's exactly what God was doing for the nation of Israel after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness. And we know the story. You know, they flee Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. God parts the water. They cross the Red Sea. They wander for 40 years because they refuse to go into the promised land. Um, and now, after 40 years, it's finally time to enter into the promised land. Moses is gone. Joshua is the new leader of the people of Israel. And they're going to cross over the Jordan River. And as they stood on the shore of the Jordan River, Joshua, because he heard the Lord tell him this, told the priests that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant... He said, go down into the river, step into the river, and as soon as they would step into the river, the water stopped flowing in the river, the Jordan River, a large river, the Jordan River, at flood season. And they walked, and the people carrying the ark, the priests carrying the ark, went and walked and stood out in the middle of the river. And while they stood there, all the two million people of Israel, I estimate, came and walked across the Jordan on dry ground. But before Joshua allowed the priests then who held the ark in the middle of the river and the water stayed piled up, um, before they came out, God had said to him, now tell the priests in the riverbed, as the riverbed's dried up, have 12 men, as they're still in the middle of the river holding the ark, 12 men, one from each tribe, to go down into the river, into the dry riverbed and bring out a rock. A rock. So 12 men went down, 12 men picked up rocks, they came out of the river, the priests and the Ark of the Covenant came out, and the water began to flow again. I want you to pay attention here to what it says about that day. In Joshua chapter 4, way to the beginning of your Bible, Joshua chapter 4, it says something about that, that day they crossed and they picked up the rocks. Chapter 4, starting in verse 19, it says this, now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the month and camped at, so they came up, literally came through at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. Those 12 stones, which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So he made a pile out of them. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters from the Jordan before you until you had crossed just as the Lord your God had done at the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. These stones, 12 stones of remembrance had a purpose. It says, when the people saw them and their children asked about them, they not only remembered what God had done, but look at verse 24. It says, so that you may fear, and we know another word, maybe a a better word to understand there is reverence, so you may fear the Lord your God forever. Fear, it's more than remembering It's an experience. Fear is a feeling word. Feel is an emotional word. It's about experiencing. And I say, you are afraid. That's not just cognitive. It's emotional. And he says, these stones are set up so that the people in the future, as they look back at this event, they will actually fear or reverence. They will have an emotion tied to the experience. They'll experience the moment again. See, we experience God as remember. What he has done in our lives, in the case of the 12 stones, they experienced the fear, the reverence of the Lord, his reality in their lives. And one of the things I hope for all of you this week is that you'll take some time to sit down and remember and relive some of the times in your life when God was especially real and near to you. The way to start the year off, we're trying to experience God is we're going to take some time, set it aside, and you're going to try to relive some of the times in your life when God was especially near and real to you. And I'm going to challenge you. Actually set a time on your calendar this week. Carve out an hour. Sit down. Grab your notepad and, and your Bible and start to just say, God, show me those times in my life. Turn your phone off. Can you do that? Can you do that? Turn your phone off or put it somewhere else. And just sit with the Lord for an hour. And say, God, help me to remember the times in my life when you've been particularly real and near to me. And, and and rehearse those, relive those times. Maybe you remember a time that God encouraged you when you were very down in your life. And he encouraged you by sending someone to you. And they, and they said, when somebody came, you said, how did you know? That I needed you today. And you say, well, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to come see you. Remember those times when God sent somebody to you. And just think about what that says to you about the Lord. Maybe you remember a time when God actually healed your body. I'll often try to remember the time that God, and I've told you the story, so I won't tell you the whole story today. But when God literally healed my torn vocal cords and the doctors are saying, find a new career. You can't make your living talking. And an old lady that I didn't like walked up to me and grabbed me by the throat and said, "God told me to pray for you," and she prayed for me, and it felt like some guy, like God dumped a fifty-five gallon drum of hot oil over me, and my vocal cords were instantly healed. And I'm like, "Oh man, you even use people I don't like." <laughs> Miraculous healing, but you know what? I literally saying the story. I literally have goosebumps saying the story. You know why? Because I'm re-experiencing God. I'm experiencing God by reliving the story that happened to me. And your stories are different than my stories. But if you've walked with Jesus, there are times in your life where you've experienced the Lord. There's a spiritual exercise that any of you can do this week related to this. So sit down take some time to to just relive and, and write them out and experience God. But there's something else I want you to do this week remember a checkup you got to when you get your car checked up the check engine light i had to do a lot of effort to get around the 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 um the check engine light situation because they don't make the part so i want you to take some time so take some time to sit down and relive those events but also take some time this week and this spiritual exercise and just do this make a list of blessings Simply take a piece of paper out and write out the things in your life that are that are blessings to you and that you're thankful for. And I'm going to say anything and everything. Start by trying to do 50 and then expand it to 100. And I'm talking about everything from ice cream to coffee. Um, From the time God healed you to the fact that you love your family. Just begin to write out all the blessings that in your life that you know are the good things that ultimately come from God. And when you do that, what you'll see, this is what you'll you literally experience, you'll feel, that God has given you a lot, and that he has done a lot for you already, that you have eyes that see, ears that hear, all the things that God has given you a lot, and he has done a lot for you already, and as you dwell on those things, I promise you, you will experience the reality and the love of God in your very soul. As you take time to do that. So one of the ways. To experience God this week. Is by looking back. It's by reliving the times. When you have experienced him already. And remembering all the blessings he has. And has given to you now. So we experience him. in Just how personal and loving he is to us. As we look back. And we relive these things. And we see how good he is. Now I'll take just a few more minutes. And, and talk about the other side of it too. We said there's two ways. We look back. And we look around because this way will maybe be even more uh, meaningful to some in the room. The other way is we look around and we, we know that we can experience God in a very practical way as we look around and we see what he's done. And we see this, God's fingerprints are everywhere. Psalm 19 says this, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor other words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterance to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them and there's nothing hidden from its heat. It's poetic language that that the psalmist is using here that David is writing to talk about God being seen in creation. The very first line says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. David the psalmist would say this, creation is shouting at you. Creation is a revelation of the glory of God and it's a way we can experience God's presence and reality in our lives. And there's a guy who over 500 years ago wrote something I think incredibly profound about this. His name was Ignatius of Loyola. And he said this, he said, all the things in the world are gifts of God created for us to be the means by which we can come to know him better love him more surely and serve him more faithfully it says he, ignatius was saying that god created all things they're all gifts from god to help us know him love him and serve him and i want you to think about something in a very practical way that you can say this is actually true how many of you have pets okay I'm sorry for those who don't. If you have one, ask yourself this question. Actually, Suzanne would say, I wish we didn't have Jack. When I usually say, should I say it or not? Everybody's saying don't. I won't say it about Jack. Suzanne's lack of love for him. Um, I'm a dog guy. I'm convinced That my Springer Spaniels, and we're in our second Springer Spaniel, know, they know me. They know my emotions. And they give me love and affection in ways that I need it. When I'm sick, it's like my dogs know I'm sick. Right? When I'm sick, my dog knows I'm sick. If I'm sad, my dogs know I'm sad. And they somehow come and interact with me differently. I always jokingly used to refer to my last Springer Spaniel named... J- Jake, I get mixed mix up all the time, very, don't ever name your dogs like almost the same name. Jake, I always called him the Holy Spirit. Small H, small S, right? I don't want to be blasphemous. But I always called him the Holy Spirit, and the reason I did is he always knew what I needed. If I was, if I was going through something hard, he'd walk in and just lay in my lap. Now, this is what I know. God, on purpose, made dogs. I'm not convinced he made cats. Cats may be the result of the fall, but that's between you and God to figure out. I'm just saying, I know, on purpose, God made dogs. And here's the question, according to Ignatius. Why? Here's what I want you to do this week. Ask yourself, why? Why did God make a dog? Why did he make dogs? Because this is what Ignatius said, and I think scripture bears it out. Somehow, a dog reveals something about God. Something about the character of God, or the goodness of God, or the creativity of God. Somehow, all created things reveal something about God so that we can know God better, love Him better, and serve Him better. So dogs do, and mountains do, and deserts do, and oceans do, and trees do. They somehow reveal something about God. God created everything on purpose. And all things in some way reveal something about the creator. So somehow my dog reveals something about God who on purpose created dogs. And I think, even though people think I'm crazy, my dogs know what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and they respond to me accordingly and they give me what I need sometimes. This week, take some time to notice our created world And ask the Lord to help you see what his creation says about him. What does Lake Michigan say about God? What does it say? And this is what I want you to do. I want you just to marvel. I want you just to marvel. I want you just to marvel at God's diversity. I want you to marvel at his genius. I want you to marvel at his power. You know, that last... um, not the non-Blizzard blizzard that we had, but that came with like 800 mile an hour winds, I sat there and just marveled at God's power. That we can work our hardest to create nice little worlds and in one minute, whoosh, he just is blown over. You know, God's just like now God didn't blow on the world and wreck things, but it, the created world says something about the, the character and the nature and the and the attributes of God. And I saw that. I saw the power of God revealed. What I want you to do this week is just marvel. marvel. You see, I think Ignatius is right. All created things are gifts to us to help us love, know, and serve God more fully. So this week, and if our worship team would come this week, what I'm hoping for for all of us is that we're launching January. Remember, we're checking our check engine lights and our tires of our spiritual lives we're going to start by saying, I want to begin by experiencing God in my life. My life. We want to start by giving, doing what we can do to experience God afresh and anew. So we start here. There's a reason why we start here. Because as we become more aware of God's presence and in tune with his activity, here's what's going to happen over the four weeks following, we'll then be in a position to hear what God's saying to us more fully. As we take this week and spend time just saying, God, show me how great you are. Show me how present you are. Show me how real you are. As that, as that is becoming more, we're becoming more aware of that, then over the next four weeks, as we begin to then invite God to show us different things about our lives, we will be more open to hearing what God has to say to us. And what he has to say to us is all for our good because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So I am excited for what God is going to do in our lives in January and moving into 2023 because I believe that God has amazing, good things in store for us as we walk into the new year. And I'd say this as we wrap up our time together at the end of our first service of the brand new year. Maybe you're here today and all this talk about God and healings and crazy guys who think that dogs actually know their emotions Um, but you're here and you know this you're not in a relationship with God scripture says Jesus said the only way to come to the Father is through the Son that the way we become in relationship with Abba Father the creator of everything is through his Son that Jesus is God Jesus came to earth to reveal God more fully that's the reason Jesus came, to, to reveal what God is like, because we can't really get it, um, and so reveal God. And then, as a revelation of God saying, here's how much God loves you, and here's what real God is, he then gave his life in our place. He said, humanity oh, humanity's guilty because of sin, but I'm going to come, and I'm going to give my life in the place of humanity. And that's what the cross is all about, the dying in our place is all about. But he didn't stay dead, he rose again. And he invites us into a life of resurrected life with him. He says, you know, he didn't stay in a grave. Any other religious leader stayed in the grave. Jesus didn't. And, and history has borne out for 2,000 years that Jesus, you know, rose from the dead and, and uh, that now as if he was dead, he's alive. And now it says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he invites us to be his followers and live in, in relationship with him. That he gives us his spirit. And that we get to live in that, in that relationship of, with the living God in the power of, the, of his resurrection. As you go into 2023, I would say this, of all the decisions you're going to have to make in the coming year and in your whole life, I believe the most important decision you'll ever make is whether or not you're going to follow, to know and follow Jesus in your life. It's the most important. And if, if you, I would say this, if you don't have that, You can try in all the other areas and nothing else works out because God created the world on purpose for mankind to be in relationship with Him. And the way He made it for mankind to be in relationship with Him is that God Himself came as Jesus. And so the way we get in relationship with with God is through Jesus. And so if you've not ever yet said, you know what, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, you can do that the first Sunday of a brand new year. You simply say, God, in the the quietness of your own heart, God, I absolutely know that I can't make it on my own. I've tried and I've failed. That even if my life is good, it's not full, not really, because it can never be full without you. And so, Lord, I just ask this. as I would look to you today and understand that Jesus gave his life in my place, invites me into a life with him. Today I want to say yes. I want to, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. You can say in your own heart because it's real. I don't even know what that all means, but right now I, something inside of me says that this is the right way. friends, that something is the Lord. It's the Spirit of God calling you to Himself. You can say, Jesus, come into my life and I want to to live my life for you. What a great way, friends, to start a brand new year. But maybe there's something else, another way we need to start our year off, and that's a person who's already said yes to Jesus. You're saying, I want to be a follower of Christ. But you look at your life, you look back over 2022 and you look into 2023 and you're just aware of the fact as you evaluate your own life that maybe you need to kind of reprioritize your life. And maybe you've come to the fact of, of saying this and your own, your own value system, your own actions reveal that Jesus is really not on the top of the list of your life. That he's somewhere on the list down below, but really you're on the top of the list and you're, you're living your life just, just the way you want to. And Jesus isn't opposed to us living a life, a good life, doing the things we want, but he is opposed to us living in a way that separates us from him because he knows the only good life there is is a life in him, with him being Lord of all, because he will lead us into the right ways and keep us from the wrong ways, and he'll love us and protect us and provide for us. So maybe as we go into this next year, what we have to conclude is, you know, I've, I've allowed other things to really top my list of my life, but I want to put Jesus back on top. We can do that today. So Heavenly Father, Abba Father, help us to experience you as we look back and look around this week. We need your help to see you more fully, to experience you in more practical, real ways. And I pray for every person in this place, those who would say, I need to reprioritize, those who would say, I need to put Jesus, I need to come to know Jesus for the first time and walk with him. Those who would say, I just feel kind of kind of like, yeah, where is God? That this week, as we look back and we look around, that we'd honestly experience you in a tangible way. In a way that we would see that you really are our loving Abba Father. And that Lord, this year we'd walk into a brand new year with you right in the center of our world. Because we know as long as we have that, we have you, then we have everything. So we trust you, Jesus.